There's but two verses we're going to read from 1 Timothy. So please follow along. shouldn't be too challenging, uh, given the brevity. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, and all purity. Okay, please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we gather together as a uh, mixed folk, uh, probably with all kinds of different views about what it means to date uh, and the relative value uh, or waste of time that dating might be. But Lord, we pray that you would challenge us all and encourage us as well. Help us to think biblically about relationships and about one another. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, I want to uh, invite you to take a dangerous trip with me. This dangerous trip is into the mind of a 17-year-old boy. It's a dark, dangerous place, my mind, when I was 17. So uh, here we are together, gathered, and I'm about to make a phone call. I'm about to ask a girl out for the first time. Yes, I was 17. Uh, I'd actually been in a dating relationship before then, but it wasn't a a proper one where I actually had to call and ask someone out. So, uh, ladies, if you don't know, this is sort of the ritual. Uh, I've been working up my courage for some time. Uh, it was the night. I had to do it this night or it simply wasn't going to happen uh, this week. So I had to go through the mental, <laughs> the emotional, psychological, even physical preparation necessary for making this phone call. Um, it wasn't very easy. You had to prepare yourself for the possibility of rejection. What to say. You rehearse. And uh, so I finally get up the guts to make this phone call. I mean, it was a girl I'd hardly even talked to. And uh, I had rehearsed it well enough where I carried it off uh, quite well, but with some major flaws. And so it went like this. Uh, Hello, may I speak to Martha? And then, you know, hey, Martha, pitter-pattern. Like, oh, good, family's not psychos. That's nice, they're nice. (laughs) And um, this sweet little girl comes and answers the phone. And uh, I'll introduce myself. Hey, my name's Derek. I uh, I go to school with you. I'm a year or two older than you. Uh, Maybe you know me. I'm wondering if you're doing anything Friday night. No. Would you like to do something? Sure. 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock. Good. Okay, bye. Clink. <laughs> now, <laughs> um, there, there are things you do, there's some things you should do, and there's some things you shouldn't do. And uh, I didn't know at the time, I wasn't wise enough about dating to know things I shouldn't do. Like, express interest in a girl, and then immediately communicate that I'm not communicative by hanging up on her <laughs> the moment she says yes. Um, but frankly, I didn't know what to do. I wasn't wise enough. I had no experience in dating. And uh, I, I learned that pretty quickly. I mean, the moment after I, I made the call and it all went well, I was exultant. I was relieved. I was excited about getting to know her. And also, if I could go back, I'm sure way, way back in the recesses of my mind, I was probably thinking, what have I just done? What do I do now? I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, weeks later, as this relationship progressed and we got to know each other more, it was fun. It was great. She's a great girl. But all, all the while, I was thinking, what, what am I doing? I don't know what to do. Uh, where's this thing going? And um, the short of it is, we dated a long time, two or three years. And uh, during that whole time, I, this will shock most of you that know me well, I, being a romantic and not a cynic, um, rode this emotional roller coaster. Uh, of this drama, uh, because I didn't understand the the dynamic principles involved in a, data, in a dating relationship, especially ours. I just sort of rode the highs and lows, 
and just sort of hoped for the best and didn't really think about it, didn't really ask questions like, what should this be like? Uh, I just assumed this is the way it was supposed to be. I didn't know what I was supposed to know. I didn't understand the dynamics at work in this relationship. I was clueless regarding what I should do. Uh, that my principal job was to care for her heart, which we'll talk about. I was also clueless regarding things I shouldn't do. And uh, the way this relationship ended is a, is a good picture of that. Uh, we ended amiably. In short, I moved away. I moved away for good. And I didn't know that at the time, but I thought it was a possibility. So it was time for me to leave my small town roots, say goodbye. And so I stopped by to say goodbye to this girl. And we had dated on and off and dated other people. But I knew this was probably the end of it for good. And as I come to visit to, to say, you know, farewell, I'm leaving for the next year, maybe forever. Um, inside, I hear her older sister protesting. Her older sister was maybe 25, uh, very wise. I respected her a great deal. And I had no idea what she was so angry about. Until later, I figured out what she was so angry about. She was angry about me. And she had every right to be. Because I was not protecting her sister's heart very well. See, I was saying goodbye forever. But I could have said it in a number of different ways that wouldn't have led her on, that this was some kind of a relationship. And that's exactly what I was doing. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't understand the dynamics. I didn't understand what I wasn't supposed to do. We're going to talk about dating tonight. And largely in Scripture, this is a matter of wisdom. Uh, If you go back and listen to the last couple of messages, uh, when I spoke about womanhood and manhood, uh, you'll see that I read probably... 15 to 30 verses for each subject. Tonight's subject, two. This is representative of what Scripture has to say about the topic. God is much more concerned with the quality of person you are than with telling you how to do everything. The assumption is that you will be a godly, wise person that makes wise decisions and takes care of other people in relationships. So God doesn't set hard, fast rules for you regarding everything. It may come as a shock to some of you that God is not strongly opinionated about how you date, or even whether or not you date. Um, and I'll, I'll tweak that as we go. I think it's largely true. Scripture doesn't say a lot about dating. It says a whole lot about relationships. And it's clear from Scripture that all of our relationships should be marked by great care for others. And uh, since that's the case, we must take great care in our dating relationships. We see that from our text here. And uh, what we're going to talk about tonight, it's pretty simple. Uh, We're going to talk about the dynamics of dating. We're going to talk about the don'ts of dating, things you shouldn't do, and the do's, the things you must do. And and largely, you'll see that I am uh, deviating from the text. Because I can't say but so much about this. I'll say it in the first section. And, that, and some of you are probably growing up on some dating philosophy um, where someone took a text and poured all this stuff into it and told you that's the way you should date. I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I think biblically, um, what I'm going to present tonight is a biblical view of dating. That God calls you to be wise, godly people that cares well for other people, but then gives you an enormous amount of freedom. Okay? And I'll make my argument as we go along for why I think this is the right and proper way of viewing these things. Okay? So first, the dynamics of dating. And uh, the first thing, the challenge, is that we, uh, as we date others, should strive to relate correctly, to relate well. Um, And that's the emphasis of the text here. Whether it's with older men, or younger men, or older women, or younger women, God has told us that relationships are important. 
What's important? What's it mean to follow God? Love God, love others well. It's pretty simple. It's hard, it's simple. And uh, Paul here is spelling this out for a young man, for Timothy. And in regard to you know, the, uh, the fairer gender of his own age or younger, uh, he tells them clearly uh, how he should treat them. He should view them as sisters in all purity. Um, I don't think we're accustomed to viewing each other that way. Um, but God has given you a way of thinking about the opposite sex. And it's a familial complex or context. You're to view uh, your fellow aged group of folks, you know, um, as your siblings, especially those that, are, that share your faith. They are uh, your beloved brothers and sisters who share a common family. You should, like your own siblings, seek the very best for them. You should care for them. And above that, even, uh, Paul tells uh, Timothy that he should not only care for them, you should not only strive to care for your brother or sister, but you should take great care in regarding how you care for them. He says this with the, the phrase, in all purity. It's a strong wording. He could simply say, in purity. You know, treat them in purity. But he goes above and beyond with that word all. I think he's admitting, okay, it's, it's going to be hard, Timothy. Uh, you know, you're a boy and they're a girl. They're pretty and you're lonely. Uh, it's a reality, okay? You were made for this. Um, it's going to be hard. But you're supposed to strive to care uh, for the opposite gender with all purity, guarding not only your heart, uh, but also the heart uh, of, of the, theirs as well. So uh, that's pretty much what Paul has to say about this topic. There are other things. We talked about it in 1 Corinthians 7 a couple weeks ago, and this is further clarity. I'm going, to, I'm going to set down some strict definitions for you, and some of you won't like it. In fact, some of you won't like a lot of things I say tonight. And at the end of it, you're actually going to be yelling at me or angry at me because I'm giving you too much freedom. I'm sorry. But um, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 7, lays out uh, some pretty clear definitions for us to help us understand who we are and what we are in this regard. He says, okay, this is not rocket science. There are single people. There are married people, there are engaged people, and that's about it. And uh, you are what you are, and Paul doesn't denigrate any of those. He says, it's fine to be single, it's great to be single, it's okay to be married. And if you're engaged, that's good, and if you can, we've taught it, you can go listen to it, I don't have to say it again. But he doesn't denigrate any of those, they're all great. Uh, what are you when you're dating? When you're dating, you are what? You're single. You're single. You're not engaged. And you're not married. By any stretch of the definition, you are single. See, you already don't like this probably. Uh, further clarity regarding singleness. If you're single, meaning you're dating or you're not dating, you are either unaffiliated, i.e. you're a free agent, you're on the market, um, whatever, however you want to turn it. You've taken yourself off the market, but whatever. Uh, or, you're, or you're dating. Um, you could be just dating or really dating. Who knows? But you're one or the other. Either way, if you're dating, you're in this strange category. If you're single, you know you're single. If you're dating, frankly, you don't know what you are. You're in a category that I consider the I don't know stage. 
you, you, and I'll describe this in a minute, you go from not knowing anything to knowing a little bit, but not really knowing anything. Uh, because till you're engaged, you're dating. Um, and I contend, and this is for your good, that I'm arguing tonight that you embrace this definition. Uh, even if you're dating, you're single. It's still a state of singleness, and I think it's important, and it will so, it will it will help you greatly uh, if you believe me and take this uh, as a as a wise recommendation. Um, what happens uh, when we misunderstand these roles, especially what it means to date, is that our relationships begun to run amok. Right relating begins with caring for others well and uh, understanding what you are. And that when you're dating, you're still sort of single and they don't belong to you. Uh, the relationships run amok um, for all kinds of different reasons. Our culture likes to blame it on all kinds of other factors. Your hormones, for instance. Oh, you poor glandular creatures that can't control yourselves. <laughs> you're just walking biological impulses. We forgive you for all that you do. Or... Um, you're simple receivers of uh, cultural stimuli, and you're being downloaded with tons of sexuality and uh, pornography, and you just can't help yourselves. I'm not dismissing the impact of your biology or environment at all. Uh, but you know you're responsible. You know you make choices. Um, you do. Um, you know, you, you could be the worst uh, pervert in the room, and you slept with ten girls this uh, last month. Uh, you chose which ten girls you're going to sleep with. <laughs> uh, you are a volitional creature. You make decisions. You make choices. You recognize that. You should admit it. Um, but we're not going to talk. We're going to talk about sex more in, in the weeks ahead. I, I don't really want to beat up on that because I don't think sex is the real problem in dating. I think sex is a symptom of the real problem. And the real problem, the real culprit here, is when the relational dynamic goes goes wrong, goes amok. Let me explain um, how this happens. Uh, the way dating should be, according to Paul, is that when you're single in a dating relationship, whatever that is, uh, your chief concern should be the other person's good. That's Christianity 101. When you're dating someone, your chief concern, your chief aim should be their good. Often in dating relationships, you automatically begin to change the definition from you and I to us. And sometimes in the us definition of relationships, the, uh, the me factor begins to assert itself more. And very easily your selfish impulses begin to demand their rights, uh, their ways. You begin to look out for yourself. It becomes, as it becomes more about us, it actually becomes more about you and less about the other person's good. So this is sort of a... Uh, you know, if you will, a, a diagram. Except for I don't have a diagram. This is a uh, evolutionary history of all dating relationships. They all pretty much run like this. There are a few exceptions, but uh, at first, there's interest. This is sort of fun, unless you're tortured because you don't know they're interested or not. But you think they might be interested, but you're not really sure. You're interested, you think. You have to check with your friend to make sure you're really interested. And you got to check with her friends to make sure she's really interested. You don't really know. So what you do at this point is you begin to manipulate information. Girls send out their friends as like <laughs> spies into the promised land to see if it's really true that he might like. And guys just happen to find themselves in strange places, like their dorm. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing here. It's nice to see you. Um, just finding ways to drop in, to spend time with them. Because you're trying to find out 
This is espionage. Um, whether or not this person is really interested. So we're determining whether or not there's interest. And once you get over your insecurity enough to, to come to the conclusion maybe they're interested, one of you gets the guts to, to ask the other person out. So you get the guts to ask the other person out. They say yes. You go on your first date. We assume it goes well. Couldn't go terribly. Um, that would be a fun talk. Uh, <laughs> what to do when they go terribly. Um, we assume it goes well. And uh, what happens next is this relationship begins to grow. You go out again. You start to spend more time together. You get to know one another more. This is fun. And as this happens, you begin to feel pressure from your friends and maybe your family and even internally. What is this thing? What is this thing? Are you dating? Are you serious? What are y'all doing? I don't know. We're just hanging out. It's really fun. He's great. I like him. Well, what are you doing? Is it serious? I don't know. I don't know if it's serious. Leave me alone. And it, this tension builds up where you feel the need to define the relationship, the DTR, or whatever it's called today. And so someone sits down with someone else. It's usually initiated by the girl because she's the one that has the guts in the relationship. And the relationship is defined. We're now a committed couple. Uh, we're really dating. And then the relationship progresses to this honeymoon stage where everything is wonderful and peachy. And you're so cute. Oh, you're so cute. I love you. I love you. And um, all your friends think it's great, but they secretly are a little jealous and a little sick of it. But um, what begins to happen soon after that is that the first fight arises. And it's usually over some small, silly thing, over some... Uh, misunderstanding or miscommunication it usually comes clear out of nowhere from one of the people in the group in, in the relationship. Uh, they have trust, trespassed some unspoken rule or boundary. To one one person in the relationship, it's utterly clear. You, you should know. You can't do that. The other person's like, oh, okay. <laughs> if you say so. It's the first fight. <clears throat> if you get over that, the, the relationship continues to progress, but increasingly the relationship is marked by more and more of those kinds of assumptions, expectations, and rules. And um, if the couple can progress beyond that, good. And if it can't, uh, well, often what happens is the relationship breaks out into some hostility and dysfunction. And uh, maybe it becomes so difficult for one or two, usually one, that... It's time to break up. And, of course, it's always a mutual breakup, but, of course, it's almost never mutual. Uh, and um, usually someone gets hurt or angry or angry and hurt. And um, that's the way these things often tend to go. So how do we avoid that? How do we avoid that uh, oft-repeated cycle of dysfunction and destruction? Uh, and I'm not saying it's not worth it to go through that because you learned all kinds of valuable stuff there. But... Um, yeah, the whole breakup where I'm never going to talk to you for two years, uh, that happens so frequently because of this kind of stuff. Something wrong. How do you avoid that? How do you avoid uh, the relationship going wrong? What are the dynamics we should seek to avoid? And these are the don'ts of dating. I'm going to move through these pretty quickly. And the don'ts of dating are, are not a big, fat list of moralistic rules. Um, God doesn't give you a lot of rules for dating. I would say there's uh, a couple. You know, the Ten Commandments. It's a good place to start. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a good one. And other than that, it's, it's, it's wisdom. And uh, these things I'm giving you here, these rules, these don'ts, are just things I've seen, uh, things I've gleaned over the years from my own mistakes and talking to others, ways to not fall into this uh, dynamic relational cycle of disaster. So uh, rule number one, don't act like you're married. 
The first big don't. When you're dating, don't act like you're married. Which means don't assume you're married. Um, because you're not married. And, and you've seen this, and, and frankly, if you've dated uh, very long, you've seen the tendency in your own heart to, be, to go in this direction. Um, a dating relationship is not a mini-marriage. I mean, there's some things about it that is. You begin to learn a, a lot about the other person and yourself. You learn how to give and receive, and that's all good. Um, but it's not a marriage, and it's not even an engagement. It's good, um, but in reality, and I think this is true from God's perspective, um, you're really no different the day after you define the relationship than the day before. You're interested in one another. We've talked about it, and now we know we're interested in one another. Well, you sort of knew that the day before. What's changed? Really, almost nothing. Um, you're dating. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, we have to be careful not to act like we're married. And the challenge here is hard. And uh, this one's counterintuitive to what some of you think a pastor would say, which, which is really fun. Um, the challenge is to, is to fight to have a, an open uh, relationship, not to have a closed, exclusive dating relationship. So uh, I am not suggesting that you be an unfaithful um, man whore. Um, <laughs> I'm not suggesting you, you persevere uh, with a guy that um, hangs out with every pretty girl you know. Uh, but I am suggesting you fight the temptation to make your relationship exclusive. To draw a tight circle around your dating relationship and say, we're a couple. Um, for a couple reasons. One, when you do that, uh, you're not allowing yourself to admit the possibility that you might be wrong. Maybe this isn't the best person for me. I mean, you never want to say that right at the beginning of the relationship, you know, the day after the first date. I no, we define this, but I'm not sure you're the right person for me. But you have to allow yourself the possibility that you might be wrong, or that the other person might be wrong. For goodness sakes, you're like 20 years old. You're not supposed to know everything yet. It's okay. Allow yourself the freedom to possibly be wrong. Um, and stop acting like you're married. And this exclusivity, exclusivity in a dating relationship will produce all kinds of uh, nasty stuff. I'm just going to call them weeds. And uh, these are some of them. You will begin to cut yourself off from your other, other healthy relationships. You've all seen it. Where'd so-and-so go? I haven't seen them for six months. Oh, they're dating. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, it will hinder your and their ability to actually learn, to actually learn from dating. Uh, now, I'm not saying you can't. Marry your high school sweetheart and it's perfect and you know everything you need to know and go on. That's certainly impossible. Uh, but what's more normative nowadays is that you frankly don't know half what you need to know to get married. And it would really be good for you to date a bunch of different kinds of people to learn what you like. And what you're like as they reflect back to you. You know, you, you date one girl and she's the sweetest thing ever. Um, but you just sort of don't get enough stiff challenge from her. So you date another girl and she basically tells you, you know, you're a jerk. Well, no one's ever told you that before. But it's true, you are a jerk. And so you learn. When you have this exclusive dating relationship sometimes, you don't have the ability to learn from your dating experience. You don't have enough experience out there dating to learn what kind of person you should be looking for, what kind of things you actually like. You just settle for the first thing that's cute and likes you. I'm sorry. Um, you set yourself up with a kind of psychological warfare 
that happens in a committed dating relationship when there's really no commitment. You see, you have this committed dating relationship where you're in. You know, you're in. You're thick. It's all about you and me. We're in us. Um, you can't see anything outside of that or even another relational possibility in the horizon. Um, the problem is there's no real commitment. I mean, you're committed to one another, but you're not engaged. You're not married. And somewhere deep in your psyche, uh, you know that. And that insecurity produces in you doubts, fears. Does he really love me? Will he leave me for my cute roommate or that person? And it plays itself out in your other relationships. Some of the things we'll talk about here in a few moments. As we begin to make rules and demands in order to control the relationship, to keep the person close, to meet our needs, um, and it becomes a, a nasty warfare. It sets you up for the expectation that everything is open to you. Because we're in this deep committed relationship, and we're as you and me, uh, we can do whatever we want. And this is when uh, you, you know your, your your hormones and your culture uh, feed in to this definition of us, and allows you to do whatever you think is good, or not even good. You may know it's bad, um, but you begin to do things you would never imagine yourself doing, uh, from little cute kisses to passionate kisses to petting to I never thought my hands would ever go there to what am I doing now? I can't believe I did that. So, um, rule number one, don't act like you're married. And uh, rule number two, which is pretty quick, is sort of a subset of that. Uh, Don't assume the other person is yours. Don't assume they're yours because they're not. Guys, she's not yours until her dad hands her to you and she uh, says her vows. That's when she's yours. Until then, she belongs to her family and to herself. You have no rights over her whatsoever. Ladies, same with the guy. He is not yours at all until the day he proposes and takes his vow that he will not leave you till he dies. That's when he's yours. Until then, you need to expect and grant them the freedom to ask you out, and then the next day say, you know, I was really thinking about asking so-and-so out. Uh, okay. Is that, is that painful? Is that hard? Yes. Do you have the right to demand them to do anything else? Absolutely not. They're not yours. Uh, they are free. Uh, it's very easy in an exclusive dating relationship to begin to assume that the other person is yours. And, and these symptoms began to pop up, these expectations, when you're in this exclusive dating relationship. Some of you aren't even in one of these now, but you want to get into one. <laughs> and uh, you're thinking, when they're in, I get to do all these fun things. This would be great. He'll be all mine. And um, what you find, and those of you who've been dating for a while, you, you know, if I got you in a room together uh, in an obvious conversation, you would say, yeah, these things happen all the time. Uh, irrevocable rights begin to, to pop up. Um, I have access to your time and uh, maybe even access to your body. Um, you know, but the time is the easy one. Uh, I want to hang out with the guys on Friday night. Really? I thought you cared about me. E. Slightly manipulative, are we? But even beyond that, it's the expectation, the right. Uh, your time is my time because you're mine. Unspoken rules about who you can hang out with, or, you know, in a social setting like this, you're dating, well, is he actually allowed to go talk to that cute new freshman, or not? Or, you know, are you gonna, uh, are you gonna emotionally batter him for the next two days because he dared do so? 
Um, unspoken rules, unhealthy expectations uh, that we have to do or act a certain way because we're a couple. Unreasonable demands, for instance. I think it's unreasonable to demand that they can't date other people. But uh, perhaps I'm a little too lenient for some of you. Um, so uh, the assumption here, summing up again, is that in an exclusive dating relationship, you have exclusive rights to the other person. And I want to assert, biblically, that's a complete myth. It's a myth. There are single people, there are engaged people, and there are married people. And guys, if you want to alter yourself, there's this thing called engagement. And if she really wants to be yours, she'll say, I do. And if she doesn't, she'll say no. And then you'll know where you stand, and you can go ask somebody else out. <laughs> so sorry. I, I do this because I want you to be free. Okay? I want you to be free. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to lay heavy, hard rules on you. Scripture doesn't do this. Instead, what we're doing often in these exclusive dating relationships is laying the burden on ourselves. We're laying a hard burden on ourselves, and it chokes us to death. It often hurts us emotionally, even sexually. And more often than not, it kills the relationship. Uh, one or two, you know, it, it becomes this death match of misery where you're trying to get the life out of the other person. You're depending on this other person to provide you with your emotional needs and wants. And uh, sometimes you end up just manipulating the other person to get it. Uh, instead of realizing, you know what, I don't have to do this. Actually, I'm free. I actually do like you, but what I need is some time with my friends and uh, some other stuff. You know, this is what it means to be normal and healthy. So, um, it's a myth, this idea that your dating relationships would be exclusive. It's dangerous to the relationship. And I'm going to argue that it's unattractive. If you've been in an exclusive dating relationship and it's gone bad, you know this. You'll actually be asking yourself, what, what, what happened? She, they were this nice, sweet guy and all of a sudden became this controlling, demeaning person. She was a sweet little girl. All of a sudden, she got crazy on me and wouldn't let me do anything. And um, what happens is, like, this beautiful person became this unattractive ogre ruling my life. Uh, once again, Shel Silverstein has managed to gather his wisdom and put in a children's poem for us. If you want to marry me, here's what you'll have to do. You'll have to learn how to make a perfect chicken dumpling stew. You must sew my holy socks and soothe my troubled mind. And develop the knack for scratching my back and keep my shoes spotlessly shined. While I rest, you must rake up the leaves. And when it's hailing and snowing, you must shovel the walk and be still when I talk. And hey, hey, where are you going? Yeah. Uh, no one wants to be a part of that craziness. Um, when relationships get this exclusive and we start squeezing the life out of it, um, it becomes unattractive. So what I'm advocating, folks, is, is freedom. Okay? I'm advocating for you to have the freedom and to give the other person in the relationship freedom. And I'm actually saying this is not easy. You have to fight for it. It's not natural for us to, uh, to give other people freedom because, frankly, we're so insecure. and We want to know that you really like me and uh, need me even. Um, this requires real security to admit that your relationship is just dating. Um, and to admit that the other person has the right to pursue anyone else that they find fit. And frankly, if you're doing this and you actually care for them, unless you're convinced you're the best person in the world for this other person, and you know it from God himself, uh, I think you're obligated to give them the freedom to go look. Sorry. Um, now that kind of security, to give that kind of person, that other person freedom, uh, requires from you a couple of things. 
requires perspective. Perspective. To back out of the relationship, to broaden the horizon, to see clearly that you don't know everything you need to know. But also to remind yourself, you know what? Dating is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be learning stuff and getting to know people. It's supposed to be fun. Uh, not this death struggle for life. And, and faith. It requires faith to believe that God can work in the midst of this crazy confusion, even in my disappointment. Um, I mean, surely there will be times in which, you know, yeah, I grant you the freedom to go see other people. What, you're actually going to do it? No! <laughs> How about the ugly guy? Um, uh, it, it requires faith. Um, the God's at work in the midst of this. It requires uh, you having faith that God... Jesus, who died for you, will actually fulfill what Peter said, that he'll give you everything you need for life and for godliness. That he's watching out for you, that he's going to provide for you in time. Last thing I'm going to argue here, that uh, when you grant people this kind of freedom, it actually makes you attractive. It really does. Uh, Nothing is less attractive than the desperate, needy, please don't leave me. Uh, That doesn't work. I mean, it might work for like a day or two, and then the person comes back and they're like, oh, nothing's changed. I'm leaving. Um, it just, it's not attractive. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying anybody is that by nature. I'm saying all of us could be like that by nature. Um, all of us could be like that if uh, we let our needs uh, get ahead of other people's good. Um, what's, what's attractive to people, frankly, is having the kind of security to say, you know, I really like you. Uh, if you want to go see that other guy, so be it. And the other person walks away thinking, wow, things put to go like that. Hmm, this is pretty cool. Well, that's what I like him. Can't stop thinking about it. It's actually really attractive. Security is a really attractive quality. The ability to grant others freedom to look elsewhere is, is something that's really attractive to people. And, uh, and, it, and it breathes of strength, actually. Okay, uh, so the do's of dating. That's the don'ts of dating. The do's of dating are going to be really quick and easy and uh, very simple. So I just made this argument for how dating often goes wrong, and then I'm going to argue. Uh, I am arguing that you should date. Okay, If you didn't get that, I'm arguing you should date. Um, so here's the do's of dating. Uh, number one, uh, guys, you need to ask girls out. Pretty simple. And uh, some of you girls are saying, but can I ask guys out? Oh, sure you can. In fact, I'm sure most of the girls in this room can do it much better than the guys. And that's why the guys need to do it. (laughs) You see, girls, you've got all this wonderful relational social skill. And, uh, yeah, you could find the guy that uh, sort of likes you and you pick up on it and talk him into a relationship. It wouldn't be hard at all. That guy needs to... If he likes you, he needs to go and wrestle and gather the courage to ask you out. He needs to do it. He needs to wrestle with his insecurity and step out in faith and ask you out. So, um, I'm not saying this is true in all cases. But as a general principle, guys, if you like her, stop waiting for it to happen. Stop trying to manipulate the situation so she'll ask you out. So you, you know enough information to know that I'm probably right. Is that faith? I mean, do you like her or not? If you like her, ask her out. If she says no, get over it. I mean, but, but stop torturing yourself. Uh, stop waiting. Yeah, it's easy for me to say, I know, I'm married. True. 
So uh, lessons from an old guy. Um, but frankly, the mental t- torture you're putting yourself through, uh, doing the espionage, trying to gather information, guys, just ask her out. It'll be over much more quickly. And uh, when she says no, you know, you can go back to playing video games. It's okay. Um, I will encourage you, gentlemen. Sorry, that was an unfair dig. Guys, when she says no, you got guys with you. And they will probably um, demean her character. So don't listen to them. She's actually probably a really good girl. And uh, maybe you should wait and try again later. Or ask someone else out. Um, I would encourage you guys to go back and listen to the message I spoke a couple weeks ago on womanhood. Uh, you need to ask girls out, but you also need to think about the kind of girls you're asking out. So, uh, yeah, stop, stop waiting for it to happen and catch it out of the land. Take initiative. Take responsibility. Girls, here's a challenge for you. You have to say yes. And that's hard because I know some of the guys that know you and might ask you out. And you don't want to say yes. I don't blame you. Um, and I love guys. These guys. Um, here's what I'm going to argue for you ladies why you need to say yes. You need to say yes because your brothers need to be encouraged. You need to say yes because if someone doesn't say yes to this guy, uh, he's going to be the guy that lives in his basement when he's 40. And, um, okay, that's manipulative. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> actually, that wasn't meant to be manipulative. It was actually an honest statement. Um, <laughs> Um, so sorry about that. No, uh, I am, I'm going to make a simple argument. You need to encourage your brothers. And if they get, just realize, if he asked you out, he probably labored over this decision and uh, had to get the guts up for a week to ask you out. So I would say yes the first time. Unless he's a creep, and you know he's a creep. Uh, if you don't know if he's a creep, ask your guy friends that know him, and they will tell you whether or not he's a creep. Guys are good at this. Uh, if he's a creep... You're, you can say no. Um, otherwise, say yes. One date. If you know it's terrible and you know it's going to be terrible, uh, you know, agree to meet for dinner. And when the meal's over, you can always say, well, the dinner was great. i got to go. And you can, you can depart. Uh, but say yes the first time to encourage the guy. Uh, and then you never say yes again to the guy. But if you don't say yes, what you're going to do also is cut yourself off from all kinds of uh, potential gems in guys that you just don't know. Uh, guys are notoriously uh, bad at displaying their better side in public. Sorry, guys. We're not the social gender. Some of us are, but not all of us. Uh, but some of the guys you to sort of dismiss as being, you know, shallow or... Uh, disinterested, maybe even a little dumb. They're just quiet. And when you get them apart and talk to them, you may find they're very engaging, they want to get to know you, they're very sweet. You will never know unless you say yes. So, um, that's all I got for the do's. Guys, ask, girls say yes, and then girls can say no after that. Um, These are not hard and fast rules. None of this is. These are words of wisdom from your very old but married campus minister. Um, <laughs> so uh, I don't really have much else to say about this. Just one, last, one or two last things just to sort of bring this all back under the rubric of the fact that you know, Scripture has something to say about this. Um, God gives us a lot of freedom in this. He does. It's not freedom to do whatever we want. It's not freedom to hurt each other. But within the ethical guidelines of caring for the, to the utmost about the other person's heart, uh, remember, uh, you have a Savior that loves you who's promises to provide for you 
out of the wealth of that love, girls, you're able to say yes to socially awkward guys and endure it for an hour. Out of the security, guys, that Jesus loves you and provide all that you need, it's not going to kill you if she says no. You get up the guts to say, to ask. And in all these situations, uh, friends, uh, remember uh, that you're dealing with one another's hearts. God has God has uh, given us an, an amazing uh, responsibility. Uh, you are, in fact, stewards of one another's hearts. You are. God is entrusting your heart to the people around you as you date with one another. It's not a reason not to date. It's a, de- it's a reason to date wisely. Okay? Let's pray together.